Hello and welcome to another edition of Pastor's Pad, a daily reflection about life with Jesus. As I had mentioned yesterday that this week, in addition to just the general reflection, devotional time, is that I wanted to spend time reflecting on the Passion Week. This is the week that we celebrate um, the, uh, the week leading up to the death and resurrection of Jesus and all that means to the Christian faith. And so even though you're listening to this on Tuesday or whenever you're plugging into it, I'm actually recording it on the Monday of the Easter week. And the Monday of the Easter week, this follows uh, Palm Sunday, Jesus coming into Jerusalem with a lot of fanfare, um, people shouting Hosanna, uh, which is a Hebrew term that means God save us. Um, you know, and they're celebrating as Jesus comes into Jerusalem uh, at a time when probably Caesar, the emperor of Rome and the known world, was also in town and may have also had a parade on the other side of Jerusalem, a time when there were probably two million Jews that would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So this is a big deal. And there are people that are thinking that Jesus may be the Messiah, but they really don't know what that means, at least not from Jesus's perspective. They're looking for someone to come and challenge Caesar and overthrow Caesar and make things right for them in their time. But Jesus was setting up a kingdom that wasn't of this world, uh, something that would establish the, the hope that we have that the day will come when we get to be restored into that um, garden relationship with God, uh, where we get to walk with him in the garden in the cool of the day as we were meant to in Eden. So a lot of different things there. But what happens on day two, the Monday of the Easter week, the Passion Week, is that Jesus goes to the temple. And that's what I want to focus on today and, and, and what that caused. On the video uh, introduction of this, I said that it has to do with gaining access uh, to God. So what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus goes into the temple. The temple was the center of the economy for the Jews. Um, but it had become a place where um, the the leaders of the temple were really stealing money away from people. Um, they would uh, exchange their sacrifices that they brought in and force them to buy uh, things from the temple to cover their sacrifices to do their worship. Um, and so in the temple court, the outer court of the temple, where anyone could come into meet, which meant Gentiles can come into this space as well as Jews, um, they were doing this exchanging of um, of money uh, and animals and all sorts of things. So it was uh, a lot of commotion, a lot of noise. In fact, one commentator that I read on this particular uh event said that it was so loud you couldn't hear yourself think, let alone pray. Now, mind you, if you were a Jew, you could go farther into a place where it wasn't quite so noisy. Um, And then if you were a male Jew, you could go even farther in. And then if you were a priest who was a Jew, you could go even farther in. And then there was only one person that could go all the way to the temple into the back into the most holy place. Um, So the temple was a system of these kinds of barriers, but the one place that anyone could come to, anyone could worship, anyone could pray was that outer court. And that's where the commotion was. So in the gospels, um, there there are actually two different well, timing uh, accounts of this story. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospel writers, 
all have this event happening at the end of Jesus's ministry um, during the Passion Week. The Gospel of John has it happening at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And though commentators and, and scholars think different things about this, I personally think that Jesus probably started and ended his ministry with this um, display, this cleansing of the temple. I think he bookended his ministry with cleansing of the temple. And why? Because Jesus, in one way, was getting rid of the, the, the temple and the sacrifices and, and all of that so that anyone could come and commune with God anywhere. You didn't have to go to one special place. You could commune with God anywhere at any time. Um, and you didn't have to go through a priest to do it. Um, and, and so he was changing what the temple meant in their minds. Um, and, and there were some other things that were going on as well. Um, but, you know, here, here's what the account says in Matthew. I'll read from that story. It says, Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Um, and it'll go on. I'll share some more here in a moment. But what's interesting is that when I was growing up, a lot of the pictures about Jesus turning over the tables, it kind of had a Jesus who was mad and upset and throwing these things and cracking a whip with which the gospel um, of John actually says he fashioned this whip and used that as well to get the animals and the money changers out. But the truth is far different than that. You, you have to remember that Jesus probably went to the temple every year for Passover. So he would have seen this happening every time he went. Um, he, he knew it was happening. So why all of a sudden uh, did he decide to change things and to cleanse the temple, to turn these things over? Well, one, he wasn't reacting as in anger. He thought this through. When it says that he fashioned a whip, well, to do that, that would have taken time. Um, so I think actually Jesus was very calm and cool and collected while he did this. I think a proof of that is in this Matthew story where it says after this happened, um, it, it says in, in verse 15, uh, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. So uh, after this uh, display of Jesus flipping the tables, children came up to him. Now, children wouldn't go up to someone who was really scary and looked mean and they didn't know if, if they could be in his presence. They would go up to someone who was warm and inviting, calm and collected. And, and so that's one of uh, the proofs that I think that Jesus was very calm when he did this. But he was saying that this is all changing now. This isn't going to be the same that you always thought it was. And though there are a lot of other things that we could pull out from this particular story, here's what I think Jesus was doing. Because the temple was set up as a system of barriers, Okay, so again, the Gentiles, so people that weren't Jewish, they could go to the temple, but they could only go to that outer court. To go further, you had to be a Jew. But if you were a woman, you couldn't go much farther. And then if you were male, you could go in a little farther, but you couldn't go as far as the priests. And all the priests couldn't go as far as the high, the high priest. So it was a system of barriers. 
And by flipping over the table, Jesus, I think, is saying, listen, I'm sick and tired of these barriers. I'm sick of the us and them. I'm, I'm sick of all uh, of excluding people. Jesus opens up the kingdom to all people and he removes the barriers. And why do I think that? I think that also because when we get to the cross, something else happens to the temple. When Jesus dies, there is this earthquake. And one of the results of that is that the curtain that uh, only the high priest could go uh, on the other side of the curtain because that was the most holy place, the place that God's presence was said to literally be, um, that that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Now that curtain was probably the width of a man's hand. It was very thick and very tall. And what's interesting is that it was torn from top to bottom, not bottom to top. And, and this really tall curtain couldn't have been torn by human hands. And if human hands had done it, it would have been from bottom to top, but it was top to bottom. It was a divine ripping. And it was as if saying, now everyone has access to God. You don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to be a high priest. Anyone can come in and be and visit with God. But it also means that God can come out. God is no longer confined to a temple and a building for communion. God is all over the place. And Jesus talks about that when he talks about the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about that when he says that we are the temple, uh, that we are the body of Christ. Um, And so anywhere we go now, we are taking the presence of God with us and we can commune with God there. So that's what I think God, uh, through Jesus cleansing the temple, was giving us access to God. And when you look throughout scriptures, there are other places where Jesus seems to get indignant or stern or um, there's only one place actually in the gospels that says Jesus got angry and that involved the man with a withered hand. Um, But it seems like Jesus stands up and is willing to flip a table when something becomes a barrier uh, between us getting to God. Um, And he wants to remove those barriers. That is so much of his ministry and to say that he's trying to ultimately restore us to that relationship we had with God back in the garden when we could walk with him in the cool of the day. And ever since we broke that relationship, God has been chasing after us to restore that relationship. And ultimately, that relationship is restored when in the new heaven and the new earth, Revelation 21.4, it says, God announces that now the dwelling place of God is with them and God will live with them and be their God and they will be his people and God will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is what God has been working to every step of the way and we'll continue to reflect on that as we go through the Easter week especially as we get into what happened Thursday night as Jesus wrestled in the Garden of Gethsemane with the powers of darkness. Then we'll talk about the uh, crucifixion, one of the most horrific ways ever designed for someone to die. Um, And then the silence of Saturday and, and what happened when everyone's hopes and dreams and expectations were shattered. But then how everything changed on Sunday morning when the tomb was empty. And not only was the tomb empty, but 
they saw Jesus alive, risen from the dead. That is a hope we have as followers of Jesus. So I hope that you will uh, pay attention as we uh, go through the rest of this week. Let me have a word of prayer uh, on this reflection. Father God, thank you so much for all the work that you did, but um, the work in cleansing the temple and giving us access to you. Thank you so much. We don't, we don't have to go through someone else. We don't have to travel to a special place. You have given us access. We can talk with you at any moment, at any time, any day, and and we can commune with you. I thank you for that. Continue to guide and direct us throughout this week and help us figure out how we can bring your presence to others, even when we're self-isolating. So thank you for your love and your grace and help us to continue to catch a glimpse of you as we go throughout this special week, this holy week, the Passion Week. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I want to thank you again for listening in. Uh, Feel free to share with others. Um, But this has been another reflection in Pastor's Pad. uh, And we hope that you will go with us again tomorrow as we reflect on what it means to live with Jesus. Blessings.